are derived from the same sinful condition. We were all sinners and we were all going to end up in the same hell. There is no little sinner or big sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank God. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. When we remember where we came from, we don't have time to hate anyone or to be at loggerheads with anyone. We see ourselves saved by the grace of God and we display the attitude of gratitude. We were raised together from the quagmire of sin. Some earlier than others, but there is no different difference between us. We had the same address at one time, and that is nothing to be ashamed about. We were all sinners. We are heading now to the same destination in time. We're going to be with our Father, but Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. Christ raised us all up together. We are brethren. We are fellow heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. Be encouraged. You are worth quite a lot to your Heavenly Father. Your present physical condition or your financial, social, or even your material status does not diminish your worth in the sight of God. You are precious. You have been bought with a great price. The very blood of Jesus, God's only Son, paid the price for you. You are His inheritance. And we teach the real Paul is teaching this really because at times some people feel less than they really were. And they put themselves down. We ought not to think too highly of ourselves. But at the same time, we ought not to put ourselves down. But we need to see ourselves as God sees us. How does God see us? He sees us as precious jewels. He sees us as his gems. He sees us as a rich inheritance. He sees our eternal soul. And that is why in the first instant, he gave his only begotten son so that we might be saved and become his property. So God raised us up in Christ and arranged a place, a seat, a position for us in the heavenly places. Your reservation for the heavenly gathering is already confirmed. It is written here in the Bible. God has raised you up. God has made you to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is present and it is also future. 
measure of your faith. He will never start something that he cannot and will not complete. What he began in you, he will finish. He is able to keep you from falling. Like to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy. Jude, verse number 24. Don't be scared of that day. He's counting on you. He's depending on you so that with exceeding great joy, he can present you to his father as one who followed him, served him, committed your life to him, and loved him. Let Jesus get some joy out of you. Don't let him be disappointed with you. Don't give him up. Don't turn back. Don't say that the problems are so great that I can't make it. You can't say that. Because when Jesus died on the cross, all your needs were met in him. It's only for you to believe and to trust him. The text here in Ephesians 2 and 7 makes it clear that the ones who have been quickened from spiritual death will, in the ages to come, see the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness. Words are failing the apostle to express the extent of God's great love and mercy. But with the words that he uses, exceeding great, he talks about here, exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. It's like the Queen of Sheba in 1 Kings, the 10th chapter. She ordered Solomon's wisdom and glory. But when she came and saw things for herself, she exclaimed, Behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame that I hold of. Ephesians 2 and 7 will be the fulfillment of 2 Corinthians 2 and 9, which says, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. Could we wrap this around our minds? Could we wrap this truth around our minds? This is so good and so great that we cannot conceive it except by faith. Think of it. The exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. Three times in this epistle, the word exceeding is used to describe benefits that accrue to us who believe. In chapter 1 and verse number 19, it is the exceeding greatness of his power. In chapter 2 and verse 7, 
It is the exceeding riches of his grace to us. In chapter 3 and verse 20, it is God's ability to do for us exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. 3.20 God's exceeding power is exceeding great his exceeding ability, all working on our behalf in our interest. So there is no force that will overpower you if you dare to believe. It is according to the power that works in us. Abraham believed the woman sick for 12 years in the fifth chapter of Mark, weak, broke, weary, growing worse, she kept saying in her heart, if I may touch with the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. God our Father is the I am. You say, I need peace. His reply is, I am that. You say you need strength. His answer is, I am that. You say, you need deliverance from this trouble. He still says, I am that in short. Whatever your need is, our Father says, I am that, and that, and that. Whatever, I am that. I am the solution to your every need, he says. Name it, and I am that. I'm thinking of Job, confronted with a long list of reverses, disappointments, disasters, Job 27, sums it up, the man's experience, the man sums up the man's experience this way. In all these things, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Find purpose in your heart to stand up for Jesus. Call the things that are not as though they are. Look beyond the mountain and worship the one who is bigger than any mountain. You say, I don't feel like it. True. But faith is not feeling. It is a substance of things you hope for. It is evidence of things you have not seen. It is embracing and declaring and confessing what God says rather than taking those things at face value. Embrace what God says rather than taking your circumstance at face value. Ephesians 2.7 promises us that we shall see the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness in the ages to come. What hope? This is the heart and soul of the Christian life, clinging to the promises of God. Yes, holding on to what God says. We follow him, not only because of who he is, but what he has in store for us. The enemy came 
healing, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Please note, in conclusion, we are saved by grace. Faith responded to that grace. Then the experience brought us the gift of salvation. Yet salvation is ours, not by what we did, but by what God did for us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Christian experience is a challenging experience. The road is not always smooth, but on the rough road we do not walk alone. So whatever you're going through today, whatever is the mountain that is before you, whatever is your obstacle today, know this, that God wants to show you the exceeding greatness of his grace and kindness, not only now, but in the ages to come. Hang in there, hold on, believe and trust. You will make it, but this is God's plan for you. Let us pray. Our Father, we understand that it is not an easy road, but yet on this rough road, on this long journey, you promise never to leave us, nor for, to forsake us. Right now we declare that though the storm clouds are around us, you are with us. And behind these storm clouds, there is a silver lining. You are with us. You will bring us out. You will deliver us. 